0: I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this is Curate Curiosity.
1: Look at, look at, look at, look at what you doing to me. Uh, it's been one year, four and a couple of weeks. This
0: episode is brought to you by the Weekend Cookbook. If we've gotta stay in, let's go all out. The food and cocktail recipes you need no matter the weekend plans. From date night to brunch, from pregame to midnight snacks to self care Sundays. The ebook can be purchased at theweekendcookbook.com. That's the W E E K N D cookbook.com. Stay connected with us on Instagram at weekendcookbook. That's W E E K N D cookbook. Curate Curiosity is a podcast built on the idea that strong community comes from exploring and experiencing life together. What is community? Author Richard Millington says you can classify every type of community by the purpose that brings them together. Interest, action, place, practice, circumstance. 2020 is a year that will live in infamy for us all. But this year will be forever marked by the impact of organizers. From Black Lives Matter to supporting the largest voter turnout in U.S. history, local and national community organizing has fueled new waves of old movements to affirm and secure long denied dignities and rights. This episode is the first of a two part conversation with Paris Fresh. Today, We'll dive into who Paris is and what led up to her years as a community organizer in Chicago and elsewhere. Here's my conversation with Paris. Hunter, um, I'm here here, with Curate Curiosity with Paris Hips.
1: Hey, um, so yeah, the government name is Paris Hips. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, out in these streets, (laughs) it's okay. It's okay out in these streets. I'm known as Paris Fresh, and that actually was because uh, I had to protect a lot of my identity when I first started organizing. Um, But now I'm super far removed from a lot of stuff, so I don't have to be as guarded. But still, like how you know, as an artist, people know me, and I navigate. So, yeah, I'm Paris. Uh, I'm a visual storyteller and an educator. I'm also a girl that has been mixed and molded by all of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs. And I've organized and I've I've developed a love for history throughout my experiences. So, thank you for having me.
0: No, we're really excited. Uh, it's been interesting to see how our stories kind of like weave in and out of each other's and this would be really cool to kind of dive in. I have a couple opener questions just to kind of let the people again go a little deeper and get to know you a little bit. Um, what has your attention right now, Paris? Uh, is it like a hobby, a new show, maybe a new drink or um, recipe? We're still in COVID and a lot of us are still at home. Like, is there anything specifically, maybe it's more formal than that, that has your attention? It's a
1: good question. Because like off the top, the main thing that has my right now is God in um, my relationship with God and really trying to like birth a new self from that you know what I'm saying um, and it's just really interesting because through that I'm finding more of a joy aspect of like my artistry for a long time I didn't have a lot of joy as it pertained to my art I started you know feeling different feelings put myself into a box like through this relationship with God just really finding out like, how to have joy again, joy from the things that, like, I thought were passion, or I thought were hobbies, or I thought I was just, like, you know, I'm just good at this, it was, like, no, going back to that thing, and really finding joy with it, so, like, painting new stuff, you know what I'm saying, or coming up with new ideas, but really taking that process with God, rather than always taking it by myself, because I find that I get really, um, self-conscious and i lose a lot of confidence so i realize like my confidence in myself is not where i would like for it to be to make some of the stuff that i want to make but when i go back when i start with god first like okay look guide me i know that you gave me this thing as a skill but it's so much more than a skill like what do you want me to do with it and like leaning on that i'm starting to have a lot of fun so both God and (laughs) arts, and joy. Those
0: don't have to be separate. I love that idea of joy being kind of like intertwined. And obviously scriptures say like joy in the Lord is like strength. You know what I mean? So seeing how those things kind of arc through and are a part of something that's not, you know, frivolous or temporary is something that's like, actually woven into Mm -hmm. the different aspects of who we are that's really that's really beautiful thank you for sharing that a couple more uh just kind of opener questions as far as songs if you could choose one to three songs that could kind of create the soundtrack for your life or personal history uh, what would they be and how would they capture your story
1: Ooh. (laughs) okay so I always have to go with heat waves, always and forever. You know, always and forever.
0: Love it, yes.
1: I have, I have a guard, you know, and the Lord is breaking it down. But I've had a guard, but I'm at my core, I'm just really, really loving, and I just love all the feels, and so that really sums me up. Also, Nipsey hustles, um, don't stress. That is my jizzam. I love hearing people speak life into themselves. I'm going to give you those two, And then a High and Lifted by the Walls group. Like those songs summarize like my loviness, summarize like me always trying to speak life into myself. and, And particularly at this point, Knowing that I don't have to have self-confidence, me relying on the confidence that God has supplied me is more than enough. And so sometimes when like, I look at myself and I don't like I don't have some things or I see a lack or deficit in some area, it's like nah. Speak that thing from the scripture and like yeah. I really get that from Mipsy a lot. Um, and then uh, High and Lifted is just like Jesus, is a real one. You know what I'm saying? Like he he a real one.
0: <laughs> That's legit. That's a good good pairing there. I love that like cross section. I'm gonna share mine too, just so you don't feel like. Just out there, vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like, I always feel weird, like just asking questions. Uh, I think for me, a song for like my childhood, still a band I really vibe with. Uh, and it's kind of like my guy's song. Like, whenever we go on like a guy's trip, this is like a song somebody like cranks all the way up. It's a, uh, a song by this guy from the Killers. Uh, it's called uh, "All These Things I've Done." Great song. And there's actually a video. You should check it out uh online for this organization that we were all kind of like a part of uh called invisible children it's like doing work in like um in uganda actually um and then yeah like that song kind of commemorates that time and some of the changes uh all the things i've done it's by the killers all these things i've done i believe is the exact um then i'd say my boo um by usher that whole album like i don't even know how i can choose just that one i think i think about that one because I have known Audrey, my wife forever. And it's like, so weird to like look back and be like, Oh, I've known Audrey since I was, oh gosh, 14. So like more, more I'm than I haven't known her. I'm 30. So like, yeah, we've been in each other's lives just as like friends and hanging out and whatever else. And we like dated each other's friends when we were really little and stuff, but it wasn't a thing. Like we were just always there for each other and real good friends. And she was just special to me. So yeah i'm gonna need advice i'm gonna need to know stuff <laughs> i'm gonna need some too because i mean it ain't easy. <laughs> year two year two marriage is still year two marriage i mean yes. you can know somebody but it isn't the same as like being them you know what i mean like so mm-hmm. yeah it's real so we both have parts of our story that we still are trying to marry and mingle uh and it's good though man i i would say marriage probably isn't for everybody but it's definitely for me um and it's definitely for me with her so yeah On paper
1: you you become one in a second but it takes a lifetime to be one in spirit
0: that's that's it it's like anything else like it takes time uh i think that's something my my dad and my father-in-law both told me right before i did that it's just like end of the day it's just a commitment like that's all that it is it's a decision to continue Man, I could talk about marriage for a long time, even though I feel I'm like still should, pretty new.
1: like like, I might start, I might take a little page from your book and start talking to couples about relationships because as I'm navigating one, I, I find that that's the thing that I'm most interested in, like, understanding. Not because the relationships we have with our romantic partners, oftentimes, if we allow them to, can really become great lending experiences for all the rest of our relationships. Yes. And yeah, I think yeah. that oftentimes the only relationships people actually put a lot of intentional effort into, unfortunately,
0: are the romantic ones. Hmm. That's what it is. Well, yeah, I th- I didn't know that my song would spark such, you know, connection and mm-hmm. depth, but I think my last one would be uh, actually non-traditional. I thought about this and like, there are a lot of worship songs that I'm like, Oh yeah, that one. But like, the last song that made me you know pause and really like brought me to like tears like the second time i heard it is this uh that kanye every every hour like um mm-hmm. on that album jesus is king like every hour like it's just like yo like that song like we need you like every hour like yes. right here right now sing because it gives a directive right and i i don't know like if everybody can get with this, but it's like sing to the power of the Lord comes down, right? Sing sing, like the things that like have our world set in a wrong way and that are even wrong with the church. Let's be real. The things that are even wrong there, like sing until the power comes down to deal with those things. You know what I mean? So I think that that for me is always like, like it gets me because it's just like, like be watchful, be paying attention and, and wait for that to come, you know, from, um, from outside and, and all you should be doing is like pointing to that that power yeah. and not necessarily like trying to build your own thing or try to figure it out like that maybe isn't going to be what does it it doesn't mean yeah. be inactive but it doesn't mean yeah. um try to assume that you know um yeah. I, I just i think that that for me that song hits me
1: well, old, but it's than that
0: you're listening to Loteria by Bardo. You can find more music from Bardo on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, and SoundCloud. Thank you for giving us a chance to get to know you a little bit more and just like dive in and understand just kind of who we're, who we're hearing from, who we're hearing from today on Curate Curiosity. So if you're ready to go, I'm, I'm ready to hit it. If you're let's good, go let's go. The first question is what type of community did you need growing up and how is it different from what you need now?
1: They're not different and uh, the type of community I needed growing up. Uh, I was a child who like neither one of my parents were actually able to be parent or they weren't capable at the time of being parents. And so I had a village, bro. I had a village of like grandmamas or granddaddies, or aunties, uncles, and cousins. And when I was a child, that village was just such a, a place of like, strength protection but most importantly like love and some people in that village like gave me unconditional love and so when i say it's not any different now i mean it's not any different now i need strength i need protection and i need love um and you know as life happens and time moves on people some people change right like so some folks aren't you know those things anymore and then some people are gone unfortunately I'm finding that even when those people are gone, that doesn't mean that void in my life from that person is just meant to be a void. It's kind of like an interchangeable, always cyclical process of, there's always going to be somebody to love me. There's always going to be somebody to be a source of strength. There's always going to be somebody that I can go to physically for protection if I need that. And I just hope that like, as I navigate life, I can also be those three things for other people.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's really good. I think that the village metaphor, I I'll often think about that, um, who who would be sitting in front of, you know, my students, or would I be in front of students? Or, um, you know, where would I be? Or, you know, how would I have, you know, risen to go to college or do something else and all these different things, um, even as far as leaving Peoria, uh, where I was born. So I hear you on that idea of of needing, and maybe not even like soliciting but just like being the beneficiary of so many other people's you know kindness and just real yeah. goodness you know what I mean like their presence there and them standing in that way um really alleviated the pressure that may have been missing you know like you said from like your parents and i had good parents but the same way i needed some other support
1: considering like just a little bit more background like my father was a pimp i don't know if you and i have ever had that conversation but like he was a pimp (laughs) and then he also was like a pretty well-known record producer and um artist in Chicago in like the 90s off the underground circuit and then um but like he was essentially absent because of his violence and um then also him you know being in and out of prison and then my mom just had her own stuff and so like essentially I was like an orphan but with live living parents you know but Mm -hmm. when I sort of think about some of my students or some people I know who have parents very similar to mine, and I see my life and I see theirs, I often know that the main difference is that like God, I don't know why he did it, but he gave me the grandparents, he gave me to like really instill a lot of value and worth within who I was, to not just be caught up in what I was living through at that moment, but my grandparents, they would tell me about so much of their history. like they my grandmother the woman who raised me she was raised by um slaves so the woman who raised me was raised by slaves she was born in 1912 her um her father was born 3 years after slavery so her grandparents did like a lot of the a lot of the uh, the raising for his children um as he tried to build a life for himself and she would tell me so much of where we had come from that it gave me so much hope to not look at my immediate situation and my surroundings of like, this is where I just got to be at. I'm stuck. It was like, I can go back a smooth, I can go back a smooth 130 years with a conversation with one person. So how much further can I go, you know what I'm saying? Taking what they told me and I just, now they're not here anymore. So I have to like constantly remind myself of that. But yeah, straight up, if <laughs> it had not been for that village, that's real. Would girl be? I don't know <laughs> what I'd be doing. I don't know, but I don't think it'd be better than this.
0: <laughs> and that's what it is. And I even love that idea because I know we've had this conversation and we even had this conversation that yesterday in BSU around like I am my ancestors wildest dreams. You know what I mean? That theme of like being able to look back and connect to the future as well as where you're at right now and how that can make you hopeful instead of, you know, either resentful or you know, self-conscious or whatever, the options are on the table around that, which again, day to day, we're dynamic people. Maybe not all the time you feel like that, right? But you are, right? Like when you wake up remembering that, you know, as a black man and as a black woman, as a black person, right? In our world today, many of us have the opportunity to to look at our lives and say that and remembering that, you know, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams is a theme that I think can serve as a mantra. Uh, as Albert said yesterday, I think that that's just something that we can remember, stand on and return to. I have a side question of kind of like understanding that part of your story because your story does seem pretty complex and like different than, you know, like uh, people always say like church and stuff like you know, where's the mess? There's a message, or I don't look like what I've been through, and like all these things, right? Listening, <laughs> yo, it's listen, real, right? And like this ain't old money, this new money. You know what I mean, okay. like, yo. So it's one of those things where you gotta look at it and you're like, how is this impacting your day to day? Because again, we're dynamic people, and some things we don't even consciously engage with, but they are always engaged with us because they're in us. So mm-hmm. how would you say? The, how would you say that these experiences or that village or just your life um, in general, that what you needed and how you grew up, how would you say that impacts your art? And how would you say that impacts your education, like the education you pursued and the one you give now to students?
1: Ooh. Um, so I guess first I'll go for education. My grandmother, Mary Louise Fairley, she at the age of 15 married a white man in Mississippi and came up here and built a whole life like a whole life and our family had lots of ties to you know running numbers and like liquor and stuff like that and that was something she experienced in her youth when i got here in the 90s my grandmother had lived through so much and the main thing she wanted everybody to understand It wasn't always necessarily like, you know, getting property. I learned that from watching her life as an example. The main thing she wanted us to understand was education. Like one of the things that she from like that long life in the vastness of all her experiences, the one thing she pressed upon me was education. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I was like, Why? You know what I'm saying? When I was younger, I also I was in gifted programs and all that other stuff, but it wasn't something I really went after because I didn't feel like education was coming after me. It wasn't until my grandmother died when I was 17, I'm like, I'm looking at everybody around me and I just have the wisdom of this woman who is like a light who just left. And I see so much darkness in so many of my family members and so many of their situations. And I'm like, I just got to follow that light. I didn't know. I didn't have any way to pay for it because when I went to college, we was, I was homeless. Like We didn't have anything at all. We had lost our house two weeks before I turned 18. We had nothing. But it was like my grandmama told me to go to college and my grandma told me to get a degree. And to this day, if all of her love and all of her like um, her protection and housing and food, if like, any of that was taken away, the, I, her telling me to get an education, Makes up for all of that, if that makes any sense. Like I got so much from who she was as a person, and even in her death, just like listening to her tell me for my entire upbringing, and education. When I was listening to her tell me her stories, I didn't understand why. Like, do you not understand like, how was how did education help you when you were sharecropper? How did uh how would have being educated help you when you were a maid? And it was the fact that she didn't have the opportunity to, and it was also the fact that she was realizing how life was navigating, and that in this country, unfortunately the opportunities in your life are oftentimes connected to your education. And she was not a woman who believed that race should hold you back or gender should hold you back. And she didn't navigate life that way. The only thing she thought that could hold me back was education. And so it helps me a lot with trying to tell my students. I try to tell them my whole life to be like, look, I'm not just somebody who's in front of you trying to just, you know, educate you on this particular topic. I'm somebody who I don't know where I would have been, you know what I'm saying? Like just knowing how I was doing stuff, the girl was out here in a few different ways just because I had to be at some point for survival. And it was just like, I tried to tell them, I don't want you to be where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So it comes from like a place of me, just, I guess, with me trying to figure out how I'm educating students, always making sure I'm trying to be the adult that I needed. But trying to be open with my story to like, look, kid, I'm trying to tell you this isn't just like a regular adult standing in front of you. Because I feel like sometimes students get like a lot of, you know, by humbug and it doesn't do anything for them. It's like, no, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know what I'm saying? And then I start telling them about the lives of some of my siblings or some of my cousins. And I'm like, listen to me. like, Like, listen to me. Everybody didn't have access to my grandma the way I had access to my grandma. Yeah. And I see it in so many, so I'm just like, listen, because I don't want you to be a parent and have to go through some of the things that you probably will if you don't, you know, make a turn. But for my artistry, my village is the only reason why I really make art. In terms of being a visual storyteller, like listening to my grandparents I just used to ask them questions to know more about them because they were just so interesting to me. One, they were old as heck. I knew they were a heck of old, bro. And it was just like, what are all the things you've done in life? And every time they would tell me a story, it would blow my mind and it was better than the TV show. And it got me to a point where it was like, I just can't, can't. I wanted to constantly hear oral stories as a way to know more about them, but then that opened me up to the vastness of the Black experience. I was like, wait, other Black people went through this? oh, snap. And so with them no longer being here, it started off as me trying to tell their story as a way to keep them. But then I started connecting with the fact of like, there was something that happened because I had access to my grandparents and I had access to their history and wanting to try to find ways that history could be more accessible to my people. And then also how do we document our current experiences and see them for as amazing as they are? And preserve those for the future moving forward. Um, so, like, hearing my grandparents knowing that they're no longer here, I have like paintings that I made off of things they told me, or I'm able to like have captured a few clips of an audio here and there, or like there's photos that exist of them. And so I was just like, okay, I wanna just do this. I wanna take pictures of people. Um, particularly, it always starts with my family first. Everything that I do, it starts with my family first and then I start doing other stuff. But it comes from a very selfish place of like, I wanna archive my family because they matter. Yeah. Even the people who was on drugs, you matter. Even the people who like spent majority of life in prison, you. Mat- I need to document because it's, when you leave this earth, someone should know that you lived. And like, that's the way that I go out with the rest of my art. And I just find ways, I guess like, just creatively communicate with people, just the importance of our history and preservation of our history and try to teach that to people. Mm-hmm. Art isn't <laughs> art isn't a one size fit all thing, but sometimes it's positioned that way. And I just like, no, just figure out what you wanna say and then try to say it. And so um, I like that. it comes from a place of like my oral family histories.
0: One thing that's standing out to me is the modeling uh, that your grandma did for you and how that factors into the way that you model um, the openness with your experience with students and families or wh- whoever you end up sharing with right now, all of us, right? You have this thread of someone who is very connected and open and pouring into you. and now you are in that role uh, of of pouring forward or pouring out and and you have chosen to really follow that model in a way of trying to capture a consistent, concise, relevant lesson for the people you're talking to and I think that that is powerful right you you can only give what you have and um, it's best to give what you needed right and I think that that's like so relevant for today especially as we talk about the classroom changing in so many ways um, and really being reimagined um, and also just being uh, black people in America I think it's very important to be honest about um, relevant experiences that will help Um, shape the minds and experiences right because it's not just like i don't know it's not just ideas man these are real people's lives like kids needed the support to be right yesterday they don't need it to be you know i mean maybes so like that's really good
1: yeah i guess like the main like my main like point of reference is understanding the humanity and everybody but with the most marginalized people we often like combine all of their experiences into footnotes or we we try to literally summarize people's lives and like centuries worth of history into paragraphs and we separate them by commas and I'm like there are millions and millions of people in between each of those commas how do we unpack that because I have a sincere belief that The more that we see ourselves for the fullness of our experience and not the way that media is constantly being portrayed where everything is just really put off as like entertainment and people then do things to themselves and they develop ideas about themselves based off entertainment. No, I want to show you, you, let me just, I need to show you, you, and I hope that in showing you, you, you love you. And that you see you for who you really are and you see where you come from for what it really is and you see the next person next to you as like who they are in their core you know what i'm saying it's like and and now it sounds crazy to some but it's like i want to teach that through art (laughs) you know and like connecting history and art to be able to get people to a place where they feel empowered Mm -hmm. and they feel proud to be in love with someone else, you know, and not throwing, because again, I feel like a lot of folks focus on romantic love and <laughs> romantic partnership is not that love yourself. Mm-hmm. Can you love your neighbor? Yeah. In a real, can you love the person who lives right next door? Mm-hmm. Well, what if we got y'all like talking about y'all stories? What if you painted about your grandma? You know what I'm saying? Like, and There's
0: a lot there. Like people could open that up to be so many layers, you know what I mean? And like, see even like we've just done here today in the last few minutes like we have a story that is actually more similar than we thought you know what wow. I mean? and i think that that doesn't happen when you're focused on being busy making only making money or trying to avoid what has happened to you or yeah. uh, through you or through yeah. somebody else to you so i think that that's huge that was honestly very connected to the second thing and it's actually connected to a message i listened to earlier today um about this idea that at the core we are all image bearers right as scripture says right like this idea of like in creation the thing that we are not like that many people get from genesis is this idea like oh we're all sinners in the hands of an angry god right like this thing. <laughs> like bro like if that was it then what are we doing you know what i mean like it's produce. and produce. i know not everybody believes all that stuff but in the real way um the main thing that we should get is uh like the second sentence of the whole bible is like let us create in in our in in our image right maybe not the second sentence like in the first chapter he's like so that idea is like yo like we we are image bearers of something bigger than us and and like that aspect means we all have this inherent value right this inherent embedded value and before anything else and after everything we've been through what are we still still image bearers, right, still people who have this inherent value, this eternal value, right, again, even for people who don't subscribe to this belief or for this um, idea, right, this idea that we all have this connection and uh, depth to that eternal that is embedded with us, simply because we exist, and I think that that's something that I, I really think could cause us to see each other differently, even with all the decisions that we make, or even with all the ways that we might disagree with people. Because what we need, like we were asking the whole questions, like, what did you need then? What kind of community do you need now? I think the kind of community I need is that one that remembers that part of me, one that remembers that even when I messed up, or one where I remember that, even when I vastly different than people, because the days that I remember that, and even in small ways, you know, what I mean, it puts people I think in different standing, even somebody who's like, for me, like I'm not a Trump supporter, you know what I mean? So like, when I think about that, I hear that and I'm like, ugh, you know what I mean? Or I hear about people, you know, doing horrible things or just seeing me in a way that I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that always is off-putting, but the memory for me is something that I need to work on is this idea of like, it's not about that. And that isn't actually all that that person is, even if that's what I'm getting right now. So like like Jessica said, like, we can't reduce, you know, complex, multidimensional people into, you know, one dimensional ideas, you know, I think that's something that sat with me when she said that. So, yeah. So we talked about community in general, um, but what are a few community organizations that you've been a part of in your time?
1: So We Charged Inside was just, like, taking a charge to the United Nations about the police torture, particularly in Chicago. So, like, that was a group that started from that. But I came literally at the tail end of that organization because they eventually ended up, you know, like, separating because they had a goal. And once that goal was met, it was like, well, okay, cool. Do we still need to exist? No. And then uh, Shy Stops, which was really trying to educate people on, like, how Chicago at the height of stopping and frisk in New York City, like our rate was still three times that in Chicago. And I don't think like a lot of folks knew that and understood that really. Yeah, you know, the police are a gang and like their tactics is a whole thing and how it really impacts people like a long term. Then Asada's daughter started, um, was in that, was one of the founding members after, or at the same time, joined BYP 100 Chicago chapter uh and then let us breathe was like you know last organization um and that is a really dope it's hard to explain what let us breathe is I got, they essentially started from like the Ferguson uprisings, uh, just trying to make sure that people had resources down in Ferguson. The police were like setting cars on fire to like to get people out of areas because it's hard to breathe if a car is on fire, right? So you would want that. You're thinking that's going to make people like vacate. Um, and so trying to bring down breathing masks, food, and different resources started from there, led to a whole thing. I'm still an amazing organization. Um, all of them are. Um, but yeah, those were the orgs I was in.
0: Solid. Could you tell us a little bit more about Asada's daughters?
1: Yeah, Asada's daughters uh, is an org that was based in Chicago. Um, really, really moved and centered in the teachings of Asada Shakur. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that uh, a lot of her autobiography permeates throughout like organizing communities nationally. Different chants of different poems she has like have been turned into chants. Um, you know, like uh it is our duty to fight for our freedom, it is our duty to win. We must love and protect each other, we have nothing to lose but our chains. So Asada's daughter is was essentially um, an after-school organization like this community org, the where it was trying to provide a safe haven for gender non-conforming and also femme identified young girls um providing them mentors who are in the movement but as well as like really building up a political education within them to understand who they are the world they live in and what they can then do in that world and then like lead to change for it
0: next episode will continue our community conversation with Paris. Be sure to catch the second half of our conversation where we dive into her organizing experience. Yeah. You're listening to Loteria by Bardo. You can find more music from Bardo on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, and SoundCloud. Bardo is an acclaimed student of music with global perspective. By drawing on international inspiration, Bartle has a standout multilingual sound, in part provided by his four-piece band, Allied Forces. To get more Bartle music, merch, and updates, visit whereisbartle.com. You can find a link to his page in the show notes. I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this was Curate Curiosity. Thanks for listening.